welcome to episode 20 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. He's Lapore. I'm Bruno. Thank you so much for listening and watching us on YouTube as well. If you're a new listener, we would really appreciate it if you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple. And if you're watching us on YouTube, it would be a big-time help. If you smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, and ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. All right, so as of Wednesday morning, May 26th, 2021, the Toronto Maple Leafs have a commanding 3-1 series lead over the Montreal Canadiens in the first round of the playoffs, and Game 5 goes Thursday night as the Leafs will look to close it out. So we are going to go over the series and give you our thoughts and opinions on everything that has gone down so far. But before we do that, it is time to welcome in my partner in crime, Mr. Michael Lepore. How you doing, man? I am doing very well, Anthony Bruno. It is raining out. It is dark. It is gloomy. But I'm walking on air because the Leafs lead a playoff series by three games to one. We don't. We it's been a long time, Leafs fans, since we've been able to say that. Since we felt this good, as you mentioned, episode twenty. Kind of nice that we do our first playoff episode with a nice round number like twenty. Shout out to Ed Belfour, goalie of the Toronto Leafs. Quick question: Game seven of a series. You're the Leafs. You can go back in time. You can pick Balfour or Joseph. Who do you go with? Oh, man, that's tough. I, I'm a Cujo guy, Lapore. I yeah. think I'm taking Cujo in game seven. Yeah, I think so, too. I think I more associate Cujo with the Leafs. It means they're longer and all that more playoff series. But, yeah, I think I'd go the same way. But Eddie the Eagle, he had a, he had a good time in Toronto, and we were happy to have him. Awesome, man. I love it. But – yeah, Lapore, like you said it, man. I mean, things are looking good right now. And I know Leaf fans, they they still they're a little bit they're a little bit hesitant to say, you know, <laughs> this thing's over and you know, let's start Not talking about close. round two because of all the terrible things that have happened to this team in the past. But Leaf fans, I'm telling you right now, you should be very, very excited because things are looking real good right now. All right, so let's just get right into it, Lapore. Uh, let's go over the series so far. I'll I'll give a brief rundown of what has happened. So let's start with game one in Toronto last Thursday. Um, obviously, the big story in this game was the injury to John Tavares, that scary neon head collision with Corey Perry. John Tavares has been ruled out indefinitely with a concussion. He also has a knee injury that's going to keep him out a minimum of two weeks. So the Habs picked up a 2-1 victory in that game. It must have been extremely, extremely difficult for not only the Leafs players, but the Habs players to continue playing after that incident. Um, But obviously, we're happy that John Tavares is doing a lot better right now. Who knows if we're going to see him come back at any point during the playoffs, but that doesn't matter at this point. I mean, the most important thing is that John Tavares is doing okay. All right, so then we go to game two on Saturday, and the Leafs make a statement. Without John Tavares and Riley Nash, who were replaced by Pierre Engvall and Alex Galchenyuk in the lineup, the Leafs beat down the Habs 5-1. to 
Yes, Barry Kotkaniemi drew into the lineup after he was healthy scratched in game one for Montreal. And he scored the first goal of the game, but the Leafs were able to bounce back. Austin Matthews with a three-point game. Nylander and Marner both had a couple of points. The Leafs scored two power play goals. So it was a great bounce back game without the captain, John Tavares. And then game three in Montreal on Monday night, Nick Foligno out of the lineup with a lower body injury, which was a little surprising. Yeah, weird was one. replaced by Riley Nash. And then Cole Caulfield, who was healthy scratched for two games by the Montreal Canadiens, finally made his playoff debut. And the Leafs, they had a ton of shots on Carey Price, especially in the first and second period. He made some absolutely ridiculous saves. Of Fuck course, that guy. stick save that he made on Jason Spezza. But William Nylander scored again, and Morgan Riley scored the game winner in the second period as the Leafs hung on for a 2-1 victory. And then, of course, game four on Tuesday night, the Leafs making their biggest statement of the series so far with a 4-0 shutout win over the Montreal Canadiens, taking a 3-1 series lead. Matthews and Marner went scoreless in this game, but it did not matter because Galchenyuk had three points. Spezza had two points. Kerfoot had three assists. So the Leafs, Lepore, they have now outscored the Habs 12-4 to in four games this series. William Nylander has as many goals as the Montreal Canadiens right now. So Lepore, man, give me your take on what we've seen so far, starting off with game number one. Yeah, so uh, things are looking good on the broad scope of things, but uh, we'll just quickly run over game one. It feels like forever ago, so we'll just fire through it. Uh, early in the game, it was uh, Willie who fed Riley uh, on the left side. A big save from uh, Carey Price. Number 31 is like great so far. He's on his best to keep, uh, keep his team in this game. I'm sure if there's one thing Canadians fans are happy about, it's the performance of their goalie, their main man. Uh, and it was actually soon after that that Campbell, Campbell also made a big save. Stahl made a great play at the blue line, fed Anderson, and uh, Campbell was able to get his left pad down to keep the game scoreless. Um, it was a little later that the uh, Tavares incident happened, and uh, throughout the show, we'll go into detail about that and get our, get our opinions and thoughts. Uh, shocking, right after that delay and the demoralization that happened with it, it was Anderson who scored on a breakaway for Montreal after uh, an offensive zone turnover. Uh, in very trauma, Toronto Maple Leafs fashion, it was Anderson's uh, first point in 11 games. So, you know, of course, you would get a goal in game one against, against the, the Leafs. Of course, against the Leafs in game one of the playoffs. Um, moving a little bit forward, Matthews came close to tying the game at the end of the first period. It was on the same sequence. He hit the post. And then Price robbed him on his uh, on a second shot. And I thought this save didn't get enough attention. Like Matthews fired a fucking bullet, and Price was able to get that pad down to uh, keep his team up by one going into the second period. Um, early in the second, it was uh, Willie, and we're gonna say uh, William Nylander a lot through this show. Uh, he's Playoff great. Willie, man. Playoff Willie, your uncle's favorite player, Willie ne- Willie Nylander, looking good in the postseason. He tied the game. It was a Riley point shot that came right to him. He banged in the garbage. So 1-1. And Willie actually almost took the lead for Toronto. Got the puck on the right side. Just didn't have enough space. He had to elevate it, and he did. But there wasn't a whole lot to shoot at. And he uh, ringed off the crossbar. I think that one hit the crossbar. So we go into the third period, uh, tied at ones. And it was uh, a terrible turnover 
by uh, by the Leafs D. Blame who you want. It was uh, Riley and uh, Brody behind the net. Puck came out to Anderson, and uh, Riley made a heck of a kick save. So uh, totally redeemed himself, as we would say. Um, Price robbed Marner right not too long after that. Again, Carey Price, man, started the show. It was a great pass from Willie on that one. And then power play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Joe Thornton on the left side gives the puck up. Montreal comes back the other way. Sandine does his best to take down uh, Byron. And Byron, who's went through waivers, I don't know how many times this series kind of been a joke on Montreal Canadiens Twitter, falling to the ice goes top corner glove side over Campbell for what I'm sure is the hockey moment of his life. Even Canadians Twitter was laughing their asses off at that one that, that he was able to put that one home. That, that was game unbelievable, man. Unreal. It'll be one of the, it'll be one of the goals of the playoffs. It's like when they do the top 10 at the end, it'll be hundred oh, percent. Um, so that was essentially the game. I mean, Toronto wasn't able to create too much in the way of danger chances after Montreal took the lead two to one uh, price made a big save on Hyman when the Leafs had the goalie pulled, but that was about it. The final shot count for that one was uh, 36-30 in favor of the Leafs, and Money Puck had the Leafs winning that game uh, 60% of the time after 500 simulations. So bad start, losing our captain, losing the game. And uh, as as much as we could have been relaxed going into a playoff series, I think Leafs fans were pretty relaxed based on how the regular season went and how Montreal's regular season finished and Leafs fans, we got a slap in the face with uh, the Tavares incident and uh, losing game one. So pressure pack game two coming up. Yeah. That was the most Toronto Maple Leafs way possible to start the playoffs. <laughs> like John Tavares goes down. Your captain gets stretchered off the ice. 10 minutes into the game, the three puck over glass penalties. I forgot about the three puck over glass penalties. Unbelievable. Like that is, that is truly unbelievable. I can understand one or two, but three. It's hard to do. (laughs) Puck over glass penalties in the same playoff game. Are you think of three in a, think of three in a series. We'd be pissed off. It was just like, I, I could not believe what I was watching. And and I think a lot, of, I, I speak for Leafs Nation when I say this, like, I think people were really nervous, man, after that game one loss, because obviously oh, Tavares course. goes down and you're thinking like, oh my goodness, like we've gone through, you know, the Nazem Kadri suspensions. Last year, Jake Muzzin, yeah. obviously with that injury in the Columbus series, that scary incident, oh, similar in a way to the Tavares incident, right? So you're just thinking, here we go again. The Leafs can't catch a break. They lose game one. It's going to be an uphill battle in a series that we all thought the Leafs were going to dominate. Now, obviously, now that we've seen four games, we've seen the true colors of both of these teams, and we've seen that the Leafs have, for the most part, outclassed the Montreal Canadiens. But Laporte, the big talking point, obviously we both alluded to this, um, was that John Tavares' freak incident yeah. I mean, here's the thing. How much does this matter uh, from a hockey perspective? Now, listen, the, the series against Montreal isn't over. I mean, personally, I think it's over because I cannot see the Montreal Canadiens beating this Leafs team three times in a row, especially with how that Habs offense is operating at the moment. But but yeah. how much is this Tavares injury going to matter the further the Leafs advance in the playoffs. I don't know how else to put it. And I'm going to sound like captain obvious, but the further this team goes and the better opponents it faces, 
it's going to become more significant because it's about depth. It's about scoring. It's about a 200 foot game. He's an important player to the Toronto Maple Leafs as John Tavares would be an important player to any team in the national hockey league. Like to your point about how this was so Maple Leafs, I was saying to someone and not that I would ever want any player to get hurt, but 16 teams make the playoffs. So there's eight series. A player gets hurt within minutes of game one. It has to be a Toronto Maple Leafs player. It has to be the captain, John Tavares. Like of all situations to occur to all teams. Of course, it was the Toronto Maple Leafs. Again, God forbid things go easy. But it's big. And the thing, something, and this is kind of like a broad topic, like sports topic, even beyond hockey, is when people say, oh, injuries aren't an excuse. I hate to break it to everyone, but injuries are an excuse. To that to the person who says that I'm always quick to respond. Why do you want good players? Because if injuries aren't an excuse, it means that good players don't matter. Well, good players matter. If you remove good players, it makes your team weaker. So yeah, it made this makes things harder on the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, they've been able to pull through this series now with a three to one lead moving forward. If we are fortunate enough to end this series and move on to Winnipeg, I still think the Leafs would be pretty heavily favored in that series against the Jets, even without JT. But it's that third round where if you're playing a Bruins team or you're playing a Colorado team, a Carolina, Vegas, one of those teams, now that depth becomes something. That added scoring power becomes something. At the end of the day, I think different teams have reasons why they can beat other teams. And not only Leafs fans, I think all hockey fans would point to Toronto and say, it's because of Matthews and uh, Tavares down the middle. That's where very few, if if any teams at all, can match up with the Leafs. And if they are going to go deep and take a shot at the cup, it's going to be because of that. Now that that's been removed, that's a lot. That's a lot. Now we don't know how long he's going to be gone. You mentioned the knee injury, so two weeks is a wrap. But hopefully we're lucky enough to see John Tavares later in the playoffs, arrested healthy John Tavares, and uh, yeah, pull through it. I mean, it, it may work as a rallying cry, but it also may come to a point where playing $11 million lower than you're supposed to be playing just catches up with you. Yeah, it, it's just really, really tough. Like, I've been really impressed with how the Leafs have responded and to see their depth players and the contributions that they have made so far in this first round series, it's been awesome to see. Guys are stepping up, and this is something that we haven't seen from the Leafs in the past, right? And I, I mentioned, right, the Kadri suspensions. He goes down, and, and you just had this feeling like, uh-oh. Yeah. Like, there goes our number two center. Like, who's going to step up? And then even last year in the playoffs with Jake Muzzin, right? Because the Leafs' blue line was so thin last year compared to this year. So Jake Muzzin goes down, and it honestly felt like losing, like, Alex Petrangelo. Yeah, Even though he's like half the yeah. player of like a Petrangelo or, you know, a defenseman like that or Victor Hedman, right? You lose Jake Muzzin and it's like, oh my God, like we're, we're screwed defensively, <laughs> right? Whereas this year, it's like Tavares goes down and it honestly just has not mattered. Now, is that because the Montreal Canadiens just aren't very good? Yes, I think that is playing a role in this in this entire equation, but... 
this Leafs team, Kyle Dubas did an awesome job building the depth, you know, in the off season, making acquisitions at the trade deadline. Obviously Nick Foligno hasn't played the last two games either. Yeah. So if that doesn't show you how deep this team is, I don't know what will, but yeah, going back to the Tavares conversation, you can look at the lightning last season and how they won the Stanley cup essentially without Steven Stamkos. I know he made an appearance in the cup final and scored in his three minutes of ice time or whatever it was. And that was insanely impressive. Like I did not think that that team was capable of winning a Stanley cup without Stamkos as great as Kucherov is as great as Braden point and Victor Hedman are. But so, I mean, I guess if you're a Leaf fan, you can look at that and say, that's a team that throughout the lineup, they're very deep at every position. They have great goaltending and that's how they were able to overcome the loss of Steven Stamkos. But yeah. I think as we continue to advance in the playoffs here, Lepore, like you said, man, you could say that the biggest advantage that the Leafs have is that one-two punch at center. Austin Matthews and John Tavares. And like you mentioned, if they got to go up against the Colorado, Tampa, Carolina, Boston, that's going to be tough, man, without John Tavares. Like, do I think that they can get through the second round without JT? Yeah, I do. I honestly think they can. But the further you go and, you, and when you're matched up against one of those elite teams without your $11 million captain – that's yeah. going to be an issue. So we'll, we'll see how, how that goes, I guess, as the playoffs go on. For sure. All right, man. Yeah, let's uh, let's get into game two now here. Lepore, give, yeah. us, uh, give us a rundown of, of how, how that thing went down. Yeah, game two, a game that put a lot more smiles on the faces of Leafs fans. Definitely compared to game one. But uh, the nerves kicked in early. <laughs> it was uh, Carey Price, surprise, surprise, stealing the show early. He made a, a great save on Willie. Uh, the rebound came to Felino, who shot it high. Um, and then soon after that, he stopped uh, Matthews with a chance in close. And then Kakanyemi uh, was able to give Montreal the lead on a weird goal. It was a shot from the point, bouncing around. I think Campbell got his foot on the uh, the first one, and then it came to Kakanyemi, who was able to put it in. So one nothing Montreal. He did that four thing. It was debated on like I saw like Habs forums like what that meant and like a lot of uh a lot of people in the Montreal media weren't happy about it one thing I heard is that it was referring to the kind of group of four guys who were in the press box like him Caulfield and co yeah that's what I heard as well yeah like I heard press on a podcast and he lost it he was full on like he should not be doing that number one because he looks like a dink and number two he's kind of separating the team referring to the four guys who were not playing but anyways so moving forward, it was uh, Spezza who's able to tie the game on a great shot. Uh, Leafs got a bounce on that play. The puck was rimming around and it went off the referee to give us possession. So uh, the first period ended tied at one. Moving on to the uh, second period, it was Price who stopped uh, Matthews with a great shot. The first shift of the period, actually. So Leafs uh, came out flying. But uh, it was 34, Matthews, finally, was able to get his goal. Came off a smart play from Hall, low hard shot. Matthews able to bury the rebound. But then again, Price, he absolutely robbed. Like, I don't know what it is with these kick saves on Matthews. Like, it must be maybe Matthews' head now, or it's got to be. Every time he fires one of those, like, one-time slappers on the net, Price is able to get that foot down. He did it on the power play. And then he stopped us, Spezza, and closed on the power play again. So just to give us nerves, man, like the Leafs dominating play, but Montreal being able to hang around because of their goaltending. But 
Rasmus, Rasmus Sandin, that I think scored a goal that made a lot of Leafs fans jump up and uh, do a fist pump, slapped home, um, slapped home a goal on the power play to give the Leafs a three to one lead. Marner fed him, and then it was uh, Willie on the power play to make it four to one after thirty four hit the post, five uh, one after an empty net from Kerfoot. The final shot count in that game was 34-23 in favor of the Buds. And uh, incredibly, Money Puck had that game at the Leafs winning it 89% of the time if it was played 500 times. So any 5-1 win in the playoffs is impressive. Anytime you can dominate your opponent like that uh, is impressive. So after all the garbage Leafs fans had to deal with uh, following game one, and I should say during game one, it was nice to see the uh, Leafs bounce back with a performance like that. Yeah, absolutely, man. That game was so, so huge. And, and here's why. Obviously, because, you know, you can't go down 0-2 in a playoff series. But I thought just like everything that happened in that game. So Matthew scores. Because think about if Matthews goes another game without a goal and they lose. And then you go, uh-oh. Austin Matthews not showing up in the playoffs. And then that, that narrative starts to build. They're down 0-2. And then yeah. the power play, that was another big thing. They finally scored two power play goals. So the power play breaks through after it's been anemic the last you know couple of months going back into the regular season. So everything that happened in that game, it was just so great to see. And obviously Jack Campbell continuing to play well i mean he has been an absolute beast in these four games a 965 save percentage in the series so far so Minus. i mean yeah carry carry price has been ridiculous and he has made some unbelievable <laughs> saves but jack campbell right there with the man like hasn't had to make as many 10 bell saves as carry price but he just looks so calm and comfortable in that net right now for toronto so so things are looking good but but lapore man like this montreal canadians team we got to talk about them for a second. We do. <laughs> and uh, I mean, you brought up the Kotkaniemi thing, you know, flashing the flashing the four to the press box. Like, first of all, Laporte, what the hell was this team thinking? Scratching Cole Caulfield the first two yeah. games. A team that is having a ton of trouble scoring goals. So just to bring some stats your way, everybody. This team has now scored just 55 goals over the last 27 games. That is 2.04 goals per game over their last 27 games. And they're healthy scratching Kotkaniemi. They're healthy scratching Cole Caulfield. I mean, we can we can go in a bunch of different directions with the Habs right now. But Lepore, just, just give me your take on, on what you've seen from the Montreal Canadiens. We'll start with that, that uh, the Cole Caulfield thing. If I was a Montreal Canadiens fan... And we went into this series scratching this kid. I would have snapped. I would have been furious. You're in a series and let's face it. I don't care who you are. Leafs fan, Habs fan, neutral hockey fan. The Toronto Maple Leafs are heavily favored in this series, or we're going into this series heavily favored. You need things to happen to win. You need a spark somewhere. You need some sort of surprise. You need a big save. You need timely scoring. Things have to go your way to be to beat an opponent that is that is on the ice in the lineup superior to you. To me, Caulfield kind of represents that possible X factor. The kid's jumpy. He's a firecracker. He can score. So to me, number one, we're not a good scoring team. So why would we not have the kid in the lineup anyway? And then number two, to my point of like, we need something to happen 
to beat the Leafs. We need something to kind of come out of left field and be a little different to win over seven games. That could have been it. Like it confused me so, so much. And you hear, I saw some people on Canadians, Twitter saying, well, you know, two of the kids goals were, uh, were an OT and the playoffs isn't three on three and he's not responsible defensively. And he's coming out of college hockey. Who cares? Yeah. Who fucking cares? You're going in as an underdog. Like this kid, this kid has a rifle, man. This kid is the most lethal shot on their roster. Not even close. It's it's literally not even close. I don't care about Tyler Toffoli who scored, you know, 28 goals or whatever. Even Josh Anderson, Cole Caulfield, Lapore, when he has time and space in the offensive zone, I am terrified of that. You get release. that little jump, Bob. He's out, to me. He's the only player in the Habs and maybe Suzuki where I get that little like, uh oh, like when he when he's like get they get that wrist is about to snap when he when he has the puck. But no, like absolute craziness. And even the thing about oh, okay, he's not good defensively. You would probably want, and it sounds kind of weird because of Toronto's firepower. Like let's just get into a track meet. And who, and who knows what happens. And like Toronto's power play has been struggling. Maybe we get into a big power play battle with them. I didn't get it at all. I didn't get it at all. And like we joked uh, texting about it, like what Mike Babcock's running the Montreal Canadiens now, like benching this kid, like unreal call. And then it was weird because a lot of people in Montreal media said, oh, well, he's going to play in the series eventually. Like they kind of knew, oh, they didn't, maybe it was because Montreal didn't want his first game to be on the road. Like, give me a break. Like, stop overthinking it. He's a good player. Put the kid in. Shocking, and look what man. they've done. The series is essentially over at this point, and yeah, they wasted two games without one of their biggest game breakers. And I, it's like you said, Laporte. I do not care that he's twenty years old and he and he just came off playing college hockey and he's only played ten games in the regular season. He scored four goals in ten games. We all see that shot. We all see how dangerous he is. This is a team that is struggling mightily to generate offense right now. Like this team, when they enter the offensive zone, they have absolutely zero ability to cycle the puck. I saw yeah. um, Mike Kelly. He's, he's an NHL stats guy and broadcaster. He was showing a stat where the Leafs have had like, this was actually heading into game four, where the Leafs were out chancing the Habs on the cycle, like 37 to 11 or something crazy like that. Like, so this is a team it's like, they need offense any way they can get it. And to literally scratch a guy because he's young, like what the hell were they? Like, I I just did not understand that decision whatsoever. He should not be out of, out of this lineup, the rest of the series, however long it lasts at this point. But yeah, man, that, that just made me scratch my head with that. You, you, meant, you mentioned the point with like the cycling stats. You don't even have to see the stats. It's so obvious. Like what Montreal doesn't have, and again, I don't care if you're a Leafs fan, Habs fan, or a neutral fan. What Toronto had, Toronto has a lot of players who I always identify it as like that patience talent where they enter the zone and they can cut back, look around, buy time, find the open man. Like Marner can do that. Matthews can do that. Nylander can do that. Even Spezza can do that. These guys who come in and they're able to create something that's not there. And it's never anything crazy spectacular. It just allows time for the players to enter the zone. And now we got something. We can move it around, create something, do whatever we want. And I mean, the king of that is Crosby. Like I'm always amazed at how he can enter a zone. It looks like he's totally screwed. And before you know it, the Penguins are snapping the puck around. And Montreal doesn't have that type of talent. Like let's face it, like Toffoli's a shooter. Okay. 
Anderson come Anderson, who I love, he's not that type of player. He just comes in at hundred miles an hour and tries to run yeah. you over. And you have this type of skill with Caulfield. And I don't know if he's necessarily that type of a player, but regardless, he's an added dimension. He's an offensive threat. It's just crazy. Like, like to me, I, I, I don't understand any explanation. And it's a weird thing. Like we saw it with that crazy review with uh, Bergevin that Ducharme, that Ducharme moved forward with. What's going on in Montreal? It's like, I don't know, man. Like if I, like here I am a Leafs fan. If some, if Montreal scored a goal and then I saw like Shani and Dubis like pointing at the camera like, or pointing at the TV, I should say, to send down and challenge, I'd be like, is that not somebody else's job? Like, do you not have someone, like, on the headsets or, like, I don't know, one of the assistant coaches is looking down at the iPad, and then he kind of hangs his coach out to dry? Like, I don't know, man. Like, it's it's a weird dynamic. I don't know whose call, who's call it was, like, who's the boss of what situations. And when you have unclear responsibilities like that, it's not just in sports, it's in business, it's in anything. It's not good. And that's kind of like how Montreal looks right now. And again, the whole thing with Caulfield, people saying, oh, well, he'll play game three. Well, why? Because you know he should be. So you're just waiting for, like, what if you would have been up to nothing? Then would you put him in? Probably not. It's just the whole thing was weird and confusing to me. Like, we can talk about that that one all day. Yeah, no, Lepore, you nailed it, man. Like, the decision-making right now in Montreal, like, starting with Bergevin and down to Dominic Ducharme, like, in terms of the, you know, challenging that, that phantom goalie interference. I don't know what the hell they saw, you know, yeah. not playing Cole Caulfield and Jesperi Kotkaniemi. Like if I'm a, a Montreal Canadiens fan, I am heavily questioning the decision-making from those two guys right now. Like it, it just does not make any sense. And Lepore, even going back to that point where you said about how the Leafs have those guys that they enter the zone, they're patient with the puck, they can make plays happen. Montreal, man, they're literally just like a straight line team. They yeah. come into the zone, they get a shot on net and see you later. The Leafs scoop up the puck and their D-men are moving it out of the zone. Like you just never feel like that team is a threat to sustain anything in the offensive zone unless they're on the power play. Even then, is it even then on their power play? Yeah. They've, they have, they've had a hard time. Oh yeah. Over 13 on the power play. I should mention in this yeah. series are the Montreal Canadians. So they are no threat, whether they are on, they're only a threat when they're on the power play or it's late in the third period and they've pulled Carey Price and they're in desperation mode. Or shorthanded, as we saw in, in game one. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, there's a lot of issues right now with the Montreal Canadiens. And, yeah, if, if I'm a Habs fan at this point, I'm extremely frustrated with the decision-making, with the play of the players. I mean, outside of Carey Price at this point, who I think has done literally everything in his power to try and make this series competitive. Well done. Yeah, man, we can go on and on, but let's uh, let's move on now, Lepore, to game number three on Monday night. Yeah, we'll run down that one. Um, so big game series tied going back to Montreal. And I'll say it, man, as a Leafs fan, game two made me feel very confident about the series because we bounced back from game one, even after the whole Tavares thing, after all the drama. So we head to Montreal but th- I definitely would have had a different feeling going into this game had that been a full building of Montreal Canadiens fans. Because it doesn't, it, it, none of these things of like, you know, momentum or like the Leafs being better in this area or that area would have mattered. To me, I just would have thought 
Ugh, we're one yeah, a one. Packed Bell Center would have been. Terrifying. It's different. Yeah, the the, the Montreal Canadiens are a different team when they have that crowd behind them, and maybe more than any other team in the NHL. Because as we've talked about before, it's an amazing place, and those players, I'm sure, get a lot of uh, adrenaline rush uh, from uh, from those uh, those fans. But uh, it was a bad start for the Leafs uh, in Game Three. Uh, Gallagher got a high stick, and there was a double minor. Um, so two minutes in, and to our point. Cole Caulfield gets a chance and rings it off the crossbar club club side on Campbell. So here's the kid. He's getting his shot and bing right off. So just wake up call to every, anyone in charge of putting together the Montreal Canadiens lineup. There it is. This kid should have been in the lineup the whole time. Um, little later, Campbell was able to make a big save on a two on one and little things in the playoffs. We talked about these all right. Re- we talked about these all regular season and now they're even more important in the playoffs. Caulfield hits the post and then Campbell makes that big save on Gallagher on the two on one. One of those goes in. It's a different type of animal we're facing on the road. Right. So able to get uh, out of that four minute double minor unscathed. And then it was Carey price on Jason Spezza Leafs with a power play and Willie Buys time, finds Spezza at the side of the net. Unbelievable save. It will be the save of the playoffs. It will that, be the save of just, the playoffs. That was craziness. Crazy. And like Kelly Rudy, I think Kelly Rudy, who I've had a lot of problems with during this uh, these playoff telecasts, he mentioned how like he thinks Price kind of saw the angle of Spezza's stick so he knew how to get high, or then he knew he had to get high to make the save. And it's weird because usually in that case, if you're the player with the open net, your brain's telling you to like roof it upstairs to give the goalie no chance. But if you look at the replay, the bottom of the net was open. He could have just slid it in, but the natural reaction just to fire it. So I don't know if Rudy analyzed it properly. Either way, there's a lot of luck involved in a save like that. A ton of luck in a, in a but, play like that. But then I always do say, is it a coincidence that Carey Price was the one who made that yeah, save? Of course it's Carey Price. Well, amazing, right? Like just what a save. Unbelievable. And those little things in the back of your head that like, if we lose this game after a save like that, it's going to be a total kick in the nuts. But uh, so we're 0-0 after the first period. It was uh, seven minutes in the second period that uh, Willie scored again. Uh, screenshot through a crowd. It went off a Habs player. And then it was, uh, again, Price stealing the show. He made a big uh, pad save on Engvall. I thought Engvall had a great game. I noticed Engvall a lot. And Engvall took, uh, took a lot of shit early in the season. And even going back to last year, Leafs fans weren't too happy with him. But I thought he's had a pretty good season overall. And I thought he looked great in that game. Um, it was, uh, Suzuki who scored a goal after, uh, a McKay of turnover in the offensive zone. One of those ones, man, like I'm watching the TV and I'm literally screaming because I knew McKay wasn't going to have a lot of time at the offensive blue line. So out loud, I yell, put it in the corner. And he just didn't. And I think he tried. He just didn't get enough wood on it. The puck came back the other way and Suzuki credit to him, man. What a shot. Uh, a good friend of mine played, uh, played goalie at a high level. And he's, he's always told me, if you're coming in and you don't quite know what to do, go low blocker about a foot off the ice because that's a goalie's nightmare. It's just that worst height and like to get down on your blocker is always difficult. Yeah, that that and, was an awesome shot. And I know people were a little bit upset with Campbell saying, ah, he should have had that. But honestly, were man, they? I, I didn't see that where people... There, there were people on Twitter, even some of my friends, like, I'm like, you know what, man? You got to just give credit to the shooter in that yeah, situation that, that was that was a great shot from nick suzuki yeah, but to, to the point of like that goal 
that's how Montreal is going to score. And like I said, all year and even going into the playoffs, if Toronto is not in the semifinals, it's going to be because they've made mistakes and they didn't play their best. Like I said, it was McKayev making a mistake at the offensive blue line. In game one, it was Thornton on both goals in the offensive zone, giving the puck up and it goes the other way. That's how Montreal is going to, that's how Montreal can beat us. If it's a 50, 50 game and we play our game and don't give them blatant opportunities to score, the Leafs will be okay, but they got their chance and Suzuki hell of a player, hell of a shot was able to capitalize. So one, one at that point, and actually Riley took a lot of blame on that one too, because people thought maybe he didn't close him down enough. And maybe he kind of gave Campbell too much of the shot. It sounds kind of weird how I worded that, but people know I'm trying to say with that. Um, but Riley again, redeeming himself. Uh, it was a pass from Marner on the right side. And, uh, that one was weird, man, because the puck came across and it came into him in the slot. But if you watch price, like the re- price was kind of like in the middle of the net. Like, I don't know if, if he just like lost track after the pass or he was expecting Riley to pass it back in the middle. And he kind of, yeah, it was one of those rare times where Carey price just was not in position. Oh, man. To make there was one save. angle. There was one angle from like behind Riley where they showed it, where like Riley had the open net. Like, I think even the puck got hit like the middle of the net. Yeah, like, it hit like it was, the middle, like top shelf of the net. Yeah, it was a weird one. But anyways, like we'll take a carry price mistake anytime he wants to make it. So like I said, two to one for the Leafs to that point. Uh, and then there was a sequence where Price made a save on Riley. Matthews got robbed with a kick save on the rebound. And the puck comes out to Marner. And Price down somehow got his body on it. So it was like bang, bang, bang. Like would one of these go in? Like just to give us that breathing room, right? But to know again, God forbid, and again, credit to Carey Price, the man in this series. Like I don't know if, like of all the topics we could say, like if someone told you that the Leafs were up three to one after four games, we probably think that Price probably wasn't too much of an issue. Like we'd never say, oh, I'm sure he played poorly or you know below average, but. It's kind of crazy he how he's been, been ridiculous. He's been ridiculous. Like, and like, abs, like these are, I always say like, there, there's always a gap in like the level of a save of like, okay, that's a good save, but that should be saved. Like you, you want your goalie to make that save. Like some of these are like goals. Like that, that, that Spezza save is a Leafs goal. Like that sequence with when it went from Riley, a Riley chance to a Matthew chance to a Marner chance, especially that third one for Marner in front. That's a goal. Yeah. I, like, I should I, check his goals saved above expected. Oh, some of those other advanced goalie stats, but it's probably yeah. like outrageous in this series oh. because the Leafs have outscored them 12, four. It could be like, they could have like 16, 17 goals. The Leafs. Oh yeah, even some like I said, even some of those ones that kind of went unnoticed, like those kick saves on Matthews. Like those are big saves. Like one of those goes in, goes in. No one's blaming Price, but anyways, again, like those nerves kicking in because he's playing so well. Um, the shots in the second period, and people were pulling up metrics. The Leafs have had amazing second periods in this series. I don't know if it's like adjustments or if it's because like it's just how it's happening. But the shots were twenty to eight in the second for the Leafs, just totally dominating that period. Uh, there wasn't much to talk about. Uh, not much happened in the third period. There was that uh, play near the end where uh, Perry had the puck on the left and he probably should have shot it. I think a lot of people were expecting him to shoot it. I think it was Suzuki at the right side of the end. He tried to feed him and if Suzuki wasn't expecting it or the pass was a little ahead of him and he missed it. But uh, Leafs were able to hang on to the win. 
uh, the final shot count uh, was 29-29. It was all square, but kind of deceiving to look at it that way because the shots in the third when the Leafs were defending a lead were 15-2 in favor of Montreal. And uh, Money Puck had the Leafs winning that game uh, 64% of the time. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, I thought this was a big, big statement, especially defensively from the Leafs because, you know, I'm sure Leaf fans were very nervous, especially to close out this game. Like you said, Laporte, the shots were 15 to two for the Habs in the third period and in seasons past. And even, you know, going back to a couple moments throughout this regular season where the Leafs, you know, haven't totally been able to, to hold on to a lead. I think about like that, that crazy senators game that they lost, but you know, specifically going back, like, to previous playoff series, right? Where this team just has not been able to hang on to leads late in the third. And I got to say this right now. What's that? Even just like, I would say, even just like the, the identity of this team, we never thought of ourselves as a team that could just shut it down in the third period and like wean that clock down. Exactly. It's it's almost like they've turned a page right before our eyes. And, And that brings me into what I'm about to say right now. And, I have to give a major, major shout out. And we're going to talk about players who have impressed us and players who haven't impressed us on the Leafs so far. But I have to give a big time shout out to the entire defense core. Mm. That six man unit so far, I do not think they are getting enough attention. They have been so, so good. Okay. When you go back to last season and you think about Cody CC getting 20 minutes a game and Tyson Berry getting 20 minutes, and Martin Marinson filling in for Jake Muzzin and playing 16, 17 minutes a night. Those guys have now been replaced by TJ Brody, Rasmus Sandin, who I know he didn't play in game four, but he's been really good, and Zach Bogosian. Dude, Justin Hall. Justin Hall was, was barely playing, man, under Bobcock. Like exactly. another one. And you think about Justin Hall and the top four minutes that he's provided this year i mean this six-man unit from top to bottom it does not matter honestly which pairing is on the ice they're all moving the puck well they're all making good decisions they're all jumping into the play and helping to create offense when the opportunities arise like i do not think that this six-man unit is getting enough credit at this point and i think they've been so so good and obviously jack campbell's been a rock i mentioned a 965 save percentage but the play specifically of this six-man D unit, I think, has been excellent. And awesome. before I'll get, I want to get your take on this. Like, I guess you know, you can you give me your, give me your take on the defense core, but also just players on this team that have impressed you so far in the playoffs, and players who haven't really impressed you. Uh, so yeah, so who's been uh, who's been good and who's been bad? Uh, let's start with the bad news. We'll talk about the guys who uh, we would hope could be better. One that's jumped out to me, and I'll kind of let him off the hook because he's coming off an injury, is Zach Hyman. Um, Against a team like Montreal, playing the style Montreal's playing to try to beat the Leafs, I would have expected Hyman to be more of an impact player. And what's almost as bad as observing a player who's playing poorly is not noticing a player at all. And I think it's pretty well been that with Zach Hyman. Like, if someone really wanted me to assess his game so far, I would kind of have nothing because I haven't really noticed him much. Um, he had that breakaway yesterday where he jumped a pass. And uh, if I'm being perfectly honest, I didn't even get excited because I just, 
thought, you know, Hyman is You had no scoring. faith in him finishing that off. I'm like, Hyman's not scoring a breakaway on Carey Price right now based on how Hyman's been playing in the series and based on how Price has been playing in the series. Uh, and then the empty net. I'm I, sure I, I cannot can... believe he missed that empty net. Oh my God. That's it all. That's, we mentioned like top 10 list. Like that'll be a top 10. And there was that thing, let's be honest, Leafs fans where we're up three and then Montreal pulls the goalie and like, we're a little nervous because it could come back to uh, Zach Hyman missing that open net. But uh, yeah, Hyman. And again, I- I'm letting him off the hook because he was hurt and maybe he is still a little hurt, but uh, I'd like to see more from him. The other one too, and shocking is, and maybe I'll raise some eyebrows with this one is Mitch Marner. Like he's one of those players that's so talented that even when he is not at his best, he's still an impact player. But based on the standards I would have for an elite player like him and from what I've seen from him, he's got to be better, man. And like we mentioned, kind of like a need, maybe a need for Tavares as we get deeper into the playoffs, if we're lucky enough to get deep in the playoffs, we're going to need it from Marner. Like Marner's got to be at his best. And he it's, it's so obvious to me, and he's done it all year. He's done his, his entire career, but it's so obvious to me that right now he has zero confidence in his shot. He is every time he gets in close, he tries to walk the puck in. Like there was one last night where he he drew a penalty. So great job drawing a penalty. He's on the two on one. And it was like, wait, wait, wait. And it's that whole thing of like physics. Like, well, Mitch, if you get too close to the goalie, there's nothing to shoot at. Whereas like there's that gap or like now you have corners. Now you have a five hole. And like, no, Mitch, like you're too close. And like you can see him doing it. And he's just overthinking it because of his total lack of confidence in just letting it go. Yeah. Just, and just one thing to add in Lapore, I even think back to a two on one earlier in the series. I, I believe it was game one or two where okay. Marner came in and Josh Anderson chased him down from behind yep, before he yep. can get a shot off or make a play. It's, exactly. it's plays like that, man. So I think, I think you've nailed it, honestly, with Mitch Marner. I, I think the Leafs absolutely need more from him yeah I, I think i've said it before on this show if mitch marner had an average nhl shot he'd be the second best player in the league like i but he doesn't like before everyone comes freaking out at me it's like no if mitch marner had an average shot it'd be Connor mcdavid mitch marner but he's just it's not his it's not his talent it's not in his skill set and he's always kind of been that style of player he's a pass first guy but it's just, man, like, I just wish you would have more confidence uh, in that regard. Has, yeah. it, has anyone else, besides those two, has anyone else, like, jumped out at you as guys you'd like to see be better? No, honestly, those are the two that, that are right <laughs> at the top of my list as well. Like, I mean, people can say Austin Matthews has disappointed a little bit. I mean, him and Marner only have three points each in four games. That is obviously well below their standards. I mean, yeah. even looking at, like, Connor McDavid, right? He only had four points in four games against the Jets. For any other player in the National Hockey League, not named McDavid, Marner, and Matthews, that would be totally fine. You know, a point a game in the playoffs or just under a point a game. But for Matthews and Marner specifically, obviously we'd like to see more. But when it it comes to Matthews, you're seeing the chances. You're seeing all the opportunities, the posts and the crossbars. Whereas Marner, his decision-making right now is really frustrating me because – Listen, we get it. Mitch Marner is an absolute wizard with the puck. He makes things happen with his vision and his playmaking ability and his patience. But 
he's been a little bit too patient in this series where yeah. he's holding onto the puck and he's trying to make something happen that just isn't there. And honestly, yeah. When when things like that are happening and you're struggling, like you got to just keep it simple. When you're Mitch Marner, just keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate things. Shoot the puck when the opportunity is there. I, I mean, I'm I'm starting to get a little bit sick and tired, Lapore, of everyone trying to just set up Austin Matthews like every totally. Time. Like, listen, totally. I get Austin Matthews yeah. is the best goal scorer on the planet right now, but man enough of these like cross ice passes where you're almost trying to force the puck to Austin Matthews when a play just really isn't there. And I've seen because that the team, bit. the team knows you're trying to do that too. Right? Exactly. And you know, it's happened on the power play. It's happening at five on five. It's happening on these odd man rushes. So I think that can get cleaned up a little bit. And listen, these guys are super talented and I'm sure that they're going to figure this out, but, but yeah, man, I, I think for sure, uh, Marner and Hyman, like you mentioned, have been have been a little bit disappointing for sure. Yeah, like you mentioned the Matthews thing, and yeah, like I think the first game he had eight shots on goal, and we lost that game, and people were shooting on him. I kind of wanted to raise my hand and say, if someone told me Austin Matthews was going to get eight shots on goal every playoff game throughout this run, I'd probably assume we were going to win the Stanley Cup. Exactly. At, at his rate, quick that's a good goal before, a He has 23 shots on goal in four games. The next closest player has 11 shots on goal on the Leafs. For the Leafs. Okay. Yeah. Like, it's just, like, absolutely. And again, that whole thing of, like, well, they're going to. And, and so you said how many shots? 23? 23 shots in four games for Matt. And he's hit end post, probably near misses. So, like, they got to start going in for him. Like, like let's be real. So, yeah, cause even, like, said that first game, he had eight shots on goal plus a post. So, just snake bin right now and hopefully he'll explode soon um in terms of guys who have looked good there's been a few i mean you mentioned like the d collectively has been really good obviously campbell's been any everything and anything and everything we could possibly ask um kerfoot my wife's uh, favorite player uh, again, she keeps reminding me every time he makes a great play oh it's him it's like yep babe it, it was him very He's happy stepping up big time man yeah, and, and, and again, I got reminded last night that he went to Harvard. So uh, total loser. My wife seems to uh, be able to find uh, find the right guys to chase. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, he's been good. Like that guy who like he seems to be like he's an old term like a Swiss Army knife. Like he's doing everything well. The efforts there, getting in scrums. Um, just yeah, like I said, a Twitter darling. Everyone's noticing the small things. I bring up Jason Spezza. But I think we're at the point now where we expect Jason Spezza to be just a very good player all the time and get his number retired by the Toronto Maple Leafs. So yeah, he's uh, going to be know. on Legends Row at some point. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the lock of the century at this. Yeah, point. total. Uh, he'll be like the the Leafs player with the shortest tenure to have like the statue on uh, on Legends Row. But, but in all honesty, about Jason Spezza, like, listen, we all know he's not a fourth line player. Okay, on this team, he gets paid seven hundred k, and he's obviously trying to chase a Stanley Cup. He is better than a fourth line player. Okay, man, like it, it's I'd blatantly like to see... obvious. And it, 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 without putting the leaf hat on, just to go through like other lineups in the NHL and like based on Spets's season, like where he would fall, man, like he's been he's been unbelievable. He's been unbelievable. Like you all you often hear, oh, you couldn't ask more from that guy. He could be doing half of what he's doing, and we would still be saying that. Like what a player, man! Just like Spets and this whole thing. And here's like, here my insecurities are going to come out. So he's the same age as me. He's born, he's in 83. 
and how people like, oh, he's like old. Like in today's NHL, he's a dinosaur. So it kind of makes me feel good that it's like, yeah, fuck you. Like, I'm not old. <laughs> like, like he's not that old. Like he can still play, play with the, the young kids, quote unquote. So I'm happy for him, man. Like he's been a great surprise. And again, if we want to call it a surprise that he's been this good in the playoffs, but yeah, I'm trying to think of anything. Like anyone else really jumping out. I think everyone's kind of been like all around, like solid. Like a lot of guys have just been fallen, have fallen into that category. Like even if they're not scoring, they're just doing what they're asked. I think Bogosian, man, Bogosian just like calm out there. Like, like how I said, to, how I said earlier, but how I was yelling at the TV for McCabe, like just put it in the corner. Whether I say it out loud or it's in my brain, it seems like Bogosian always does that thing that you're just kind of hoping the player will do. That's like the simple thing to get out of danger, and you're never nervous when he's on the ice. And like you mentioned before, like referring to this Leafs decor that uh, it hasn't been good for a long time. And and we didn't have a good reputation, but to have that calming presence on like the third pair with him. Awesome. Awesome. So like, yeah, like it's incredible. I'll put him on that list for sure. Like I cannot begin to like express how impressed I've been. Like, and I, I know I, you know, I went on my little rant about the decor, but it's like just thinking about the decor, you know, that the Leafs had just last year, even go back a couple of years, like it has not even been as close to as good. And I think if the Leafs, you know, it's been a making- decade, we've been bad, man. Like I can't even remember when I had, like any confidence in a lead or oh, you had to watch the third, like you never checked out after two periods with us, man. Never. No, it's it's so so true. And like if the Leafs end up making a deep run in the Stanley Cup playoffs this year, I'm telling you right now, this decor is gonna be right at the top of the list. I mean, after the star players, like the play of that six man decor, if they can continue playing like this heading into the next couple of rounds here, who knows how far they're gonna get. Um, that is gonna be a major reason that the Leafs um make a playoff run. But yeah, Lapore, I mean, you mentioned Alex Kerfoot. I agree, and I think most of Leafs nation would agree with you as well he's been a swiss army knife you know it doesn't matter if he has to center the second line or he's on the third line obviously he's been filling in for for felino and some of the other injuries we've had like there's been a lot of lineup shuffling with 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 the injuries with obviously with Tavares and felino and you know pierre ingval has been good as well like you mentioned yeah. but yeah i mean kerfoot three assists in game four he's doing everything he's playing fast he's playing with an edge He's making plays, so yeah, he's been great, man. I, th- I think that's pretty much it in terms of, uh, in terms of that conversation. You know what? I don't. Want, I want to add one more name, TJ Brody. Oh. We talked about the we talked about the decor as a whole. And it's ironic because I saw one of the metrics guy post um, whatever he used to rank the top defensemen in the league defensively, like in their own end, and Brody was like sixth or something you quickly look to see all oh, like any leaves and he had Brody sixth and like the irony of like me watching the games recently in this series and just seeing like the, the old saying if he never makes a mistake he never makes a mistake like unreal player and it's funny because I, I don't know about you but I was always taught in hockey to never go down like you always see that situation where the players on the two-on-one and they slide kind of like out of desperation because you're vulnerable like you're not on your feet he does it all the time and I always get nervous, but I'll let him do it because he seems to know exactly what he's doing. And he always ends up blocking the pass. 
but just like everything, man, just so fundamentally sound, so calm, getting out of danger, just awesome, awesome. We're so lucky to have him right now, man. What a signing. What a signing. Oh, Lapore, honestly, I can go on for an hour about TJ Brody, and I'm actually happy you brought him up because, you know, people look at offensive numbers a lot with defensemen, and listen, we know TJ Brody is not out there, and he's not going to be a point-of-game player, you know, making all these crazy offensive plays, but his ability to just take the puck in the defensive zone and make these quick little plays to get out of danger and to move the puck up to the forwards, honestly... He does it at such an elite level and it, it kind of, it really flies under the radar and you have to be really watching closely. And maybe I, I'm a defense nerd because I played defense my entire life and I appreciate mm. the little plays and little head fakes and things that he does, but oh my goodness, man, I do not think he gets enough love whatsoever for just how efficient he is out there and his decision-making ability. Like it is, it is legit off the charts and he's you not going to go out. He's not going to go out there and score 10 goals and rack up, you know, 50 points in 80. I mean, he has had good offensive seasons in the past, but it's the other things that he does at such an elite level that impress me so much. It's kind of funny because I mentioned Hyman before that like a player like him, it's, it's really negative. If you say, you know what? I didn't notice him. Like that kind of tells a bad tale with him. Whereas with Brody, there's been so many games where I didn't notice him. And for a player like that, you can't ask for more. Like, yeah. no, I didn't notice anything bad. Just not showing off, not falling behind, just no mistakes. And when he was on the ice, the score was, even if it's 0-0, zero, zero, like, okay, well, he did his job. It's awesome. Like, what a signing by uh, by Dubas on Yeah, that amazing one. signing. And that's why this year, Sheldon Keefe has called TJ Brody Mr. Consistency. Mm. I mean, it's, it's, it's the perfect nickname for him. Yeah. But, uh, Laporte, you want to move on to uh, to game number four? Yeah, we'll just fly, uh, fly through it because it's uh, sharp in the memories from last night. Uh, early on, Spezza, breakaway, stop by Price. Shocking. <laughs> Spezza had a lot of speed. You could tell, like, when you're facing Hawk Oli, sometimes you think, you know what, I'm just going to go five-hole, and he tried, and uh, Price was able to stop it. Um, soon after that was that Marner play that we touched on where uh, it was the two-on-one, and he had Matthews with him. So you were kind of waiting for Marner to delay make that pass, but the Canadians defenseman did the right thing. He took out Marner or sorry, he took out Matthews and the way Marner has been playing, I would have done the same thing, take away the pass and let Marner go in because he's going to overthink and mess it up. And he did, but he was able to actually draw a penalty on that one. Um, Montreal, not a good first period. The shots ended pretty even if I remember correctly after one, but I think the number was they had like two shots, like 15 or 16 minutes in like not good. And Montreal Canadians Twitter was just losing their absolute minds. Uh, three minutes into the second period, it was Alex Galchenyuk. We talk about what will be on the top 10 lists for uh, goals of the year, uh, goals of the playoffs and saves of the playoffs. This will definitely be on the list for uh, goals of the playoffs. He took a pass from Kerfoot. We already touched on slick little behind the back pass to Willie playoff Willie that was again sick. to your uncle he uh, was able to shovel it in so one nothing Leafs soon after that one of those moments we always refer to that's a game changer uh Campbell made a huge save on stall at the right side of the net to uh, keep uh keep uh, the Leafs up by one and then Galch again another two-on-one feeds Spets uh Spets is able to tuck it under the bar 
Again, one of those goals that I'm sure Leafs fans jumped up and gave a big fist pump. And how could you be more happy for Gouch? And I'm sure he was walking on air last night, like playing in that old building where things didn't quite work out for him. Set up two, uh, set up two uh, beautiful goals. And then it was uh, to close out the period. It was uh, Joe Thornton who scored on the power play uh, off a feed from Jason Spezza. And in that moment, I immediately took back the 6,473 negative comments I had about Joe Thornton this we season. We all did, Lepore. And Don't he's my favorite Leaf player. <laughs> you, know, you know what? Honest question here. Honest question. Did Thornton even mean to do that? I don't know. Like I think I, I think I think his stick was kind of just question. If you look, if you look, he, it wasn't like clean. Like he didn't like cleanly it angle it in. I think he kind of meant to stop. Oh, I don't know. We'll look at it again. Like oh, but, oh I scored. Yeah, oh, 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 stick in the air. <laughs> but if you do look back, the Leafs got away with one uh, on that goal. There was um, about I guess 20, 15, 20 seconds before that when Montreal dumped it in to Toronto's end. Uh, again, killing a penalty. I don't know. I forget. It was kind of like at the left side of the screen. Uh, I don't know what Leafs player was. I don't remember what Habs player was, but a Leafs player totally took out the feet of a Habs player. And it definitely should have been a call to make it a four on four. The Leafs got away with one puck comes back the other way. And Thornton's able to make it three, nothing. And uh, Campbell, again, being the man right before the end of the period, he stopped Gallagher. Oh, sorry, he didn't stop Gallagher. Gallagher hit the post. I remember he yes, beat him sticks. Right. It was similar to the Suzuki shot that beat uh, Campbell earlier in the series. He hit the post. And again, big man, big man. You go into that third period uh, up by two, way different than being up uh, leading uh, by three goals into that third. So Leafs, uh, Leafs uh, go into the third period with a, a three nothing lead. Uh, I mentioned that Hyman breakaway earlier on that uh, we had absolutely no faith in that he was uh, stopped. He made a great play at the blue line to intercept, uh, intercept the pass. And then a little later, Hyman with that empty net chance that we also uh, talked about that we are all very embarrassed, uh, embarrassed by. I caught that was, uh, this. That was brutal. I, I, ca- I caught this clip of Steve, Steve Dangle. He's doing like a live feed on all the games. Like you can watch the game live with him. And he was just like jumped up and then it missed. And he just goes, oh, Zachary. Like, like, like someone talking to their child of like total disappointment. Like, Zachary, how dare you do that? And usually Hyman's the empty net god, man. Yeah, like he's he usually like a stats. lock when he's on the yeah. ice going for that empty net. It's always in the net. And then that, that just shows, right? How he's been struggling. Like we talked yeah. about, right? And then Matt, like Matthews had that chance from like the sideboards. And I was kind of like in my head thinking it'd be hilarious. Like Matthews was a way more difficult one. I'm like, Matthews is going to put it like bar down and just be like, that's how you do it, Zach. But I think the Canadians player got their stick. Yeah, I think on it was Perry who, who deflected was it. Was it Perry? Going, from Perry. going into the empty net. Yeah. And then Galch, who else? with the uh, calm empty net goal to make it a three point night. Uh, ironically enough, did the Habs draft him third overall? Was it? I yeah, it was, it was third, third overall, overall, man. So three points against the Habs a team that drafted you third overall. So sure. He felt fantastic about that. It was a uh, Tony, uh, what's his name? Tony Marinero, the, uh, the big Canadians radio guy. He put out a tweet, like, don't talk to me. He's like, <laughs> it's like, if you, if you tweet me, I'll kill you. These are like 500 responses, like the worst <laughs> night ever. The guy's hilarious, but oh, uh, so yeah, final shot count in that one was actually 32 28 in favor of the Canadians, kind of similar to the game before. Montreal outshot Toronto 14 to 4 in the uh, in the third period. 
because of the three nothing lead. And uh, Money Puck had that one, another dominating performance by the Leafs. Uh, the underlying numbers had the Leafs winning that game seventy one percent of the time. Yeah, I mean th- that they they put the nail in Montreal's coffin in Game Four. At this point, Lapore, I don't want to get ahead of myself too much, and I know Leaf fans have been scarred by you know collapses in the past, but there is a better chance of an asteroid hitting Earth than the Montreal Canadiens at this point <laughs> beating oh. the Toronto Maple Leafs three times in a row. I and I don't give a gave, shit if, if you I think, think Money I Puck gave it a 4% it. chance. Like, I, I do not care if you call me a jinx right now. If you have watched this Montreal Canadiens team this season, specifically over the last two months, their complete inability to generate offense. Like, going into that third period, Lapore, some of my friends, my Leaf fan friends, were actually, like, a little bit scared. I'm like, do you realize that the Montreal Canadiens need to score three goals in 20 minutes to tie this hockey game? This is not going to happen. Bruno is so confident. Like, and again, I, you know, it's that whole thing, like, don't get overconfident. This is the Leafs. Let's just stop that, okay? This is the best Leafs team we have seen probably in 30 years. They have completely outclassed this team. And this brings us into a conversation about the depth. John Tavares mm-hmm. out, Nick Felino out. It doesn't matter. Two of the Leafs' top six forwards have essentially not played in this series okay Tavares played what five minutes two minutes like Felino, two minutes of ice time I think yeah or something exactly Nick Felino played the first couple of games and it has not mattered at all Lapore. like I mean I know we've talked about players who have impressed us so far but I just think this depth is is shining through and it's been so impressive to watch yeah I'm gonna use the uh, Pierre Dorian line that he got made fun of for like this is a team like when you watch the team, like you see the balance, you see the structure. People who know me well know I'm a big soccer guy. Like there's, I know this is kind of like a crazy exaggeration, but I almost feel like I'm watching like the German national soccer team in the way that like they just kind of hum along like a machine. Like it's just confident, it's calm, there's a system and they believe in it. Like that, that's the difference. Like you can see when teams are trying to put together a strategy to beat a team whether it's like you throw pucks on net, put pucks in deep, have a defensive structure, and they're kind of struggling to keep it in place where it's funny, like the Leafs get one goal and you're kind of like, it's over. Like there's just that thing of like, we're too structured. We're too balanced. We believe in this system. We're getting saves from Campbell. Like he's like three, nothing's a lot to ask from any team, but no, I was totally checked out in the third period last night. Well, like, you know what, man, I'll be honest. And like, not even to sound arrogant, even the game before up two to one, like I was felt good. It felt good. I was like, yeah, no, I think we got it. Like I definitely would have, if I had to bet, I definitely would have been fairly confident in a bet for the Leafs going into that period, being able to hold on. But uh, yeah, like one to go, it's the hardest game to win. There's also the matter of the pressure of not wanting to go back to Montreal for game six, because we all know that they are going to have some fans in the building. How much of an impact 2,500 fans will have, I don't know, but I just think you want to avoid that. And especially because Winnipeg was able to sweep the Oilers. Uh, We want to wrap this up as soon as possible. So yeah, I mean, let's get her done, son. Let's wrap it up. I think it's safe. I think it's safe to say Montreal is pretty low on. I don't see how they would be have. I don't say have any confidence, but I think it's safe to say they're pretty low on their confidence right now. And we're pretty high on our confidence, and that goes from top to bottom. Like we mentioned, Montreal earlier, 
like from their coaching staff to their management, like to their players, it just doesn't look right with Montreal right now. So let's do it. Like I know like Twitter last night, even a lot of neutrals are like, this is over. This is over. This is over hockey, man. We've seen a lot of weird things already happen in these playoffs in this series and other series. So let's just stay the course and let, let's wrap it up in five. And yeah. Yeah, let's not waste any time. And just to reiterate one more time, like the reason I'm so confident and excited about this Leafs team right now is because, like you mentioned, Laporte, it is a team for the first time, honestly, I think in my lifetime, I'm seeing everybody buy in. It doesn't matter who's on the ice. And this is what Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas have been talking about since they've been here, Mm. how they want this team doesn't matter who's out on the ice, whether it's the first line, second line, third line, everyone is playing that same aggressive attacking style, that confident style of hockey, being responsible defensively. And we're finally seeing that for the first time in a very, very long time. And that is why I am very excited and confident about this Leafs team, not only to wrap up this series against Montreal, but to hopefully make a deep playoff run. Yeah. Philippore. Before we close out this podcast, we have to have a quick conversation. You're already smiling. You're already smiling. I I got a feeling of where you're going to go. Ear to ear right now, okay? The Edmonton Oilers got swept in four straight games to the Winnipeg Jets. Oilers fans, I tried to warn you multiple times throughout the season. Now, in saying that, I picked the Oilers to win that series in six. Yeah. And Lepore picked the Oilers to win that series in seven. So we thought the Oilers were going to win this series. The Winnipeg Jets were without Nikolai Ehlers, who is an incredible hockey player. He missed the first two games. Pierre-Luc Dubois missed the first game. This was a shorthanded Jets team. A Jets team that was playing horrific hockey to end the season. They had the worst record in the NHL over their last 11 or 12 games of the season. It was not pretty. The Oilers beat the Jets seven out of nine times in the regular season. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl dominated the Jets in the regular season. But everything we talked about with the Edmonton Oilers reared its ugly head. I have talked ad nauseum this year how this team flat out is just not very good. I talked about how bad this team is specifically at five on five without Connor McDavid on the ice. And I will bring that stat up one more time. In the regular season, the Edmonton Oilers, without Connor McDavid on the ice, were minus 209 in scoring chance differential at 5-on-5. And they had a minus 17 goal differential without him. Think about that for a second. Without Connor McDavid on the ice, is that team, are are they better than like the Arizona Coyotes? Are they better than a bottom five to seven team in the NHL? And at the end of the day, listen, Oilers fans, I get it. The series was close. There was three overtime games. You lost by a goal three times. You look at the underlying numbers, they were close. But this just shows you. This team, their depth is a disaster. Offensively, McDavid had four points in four games. Dreisaitl had five points. That was below their standards. And... (sighs) Like, literally, they needed those guys to be superhuman in order to win that series. And for Connor McDavid to have one of the greatest seasons we have ever seen, okay, 
averaging nearly two points a game, having one of the greatest seasons since Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky, and to lose in four straight games in the first round, Lapore, that is flat out one of the most embarrassing things <laughs> I've ever seen in the NHL. And I oh, am not come kidding, on, and I am man. not exaggerating. Uh, I think you're pushing it, Bruno. Okay, that was embarrassing. That was it was embarrassing. embarrassing. And listen, I hope that they can figure this Tampa out. Tampa got swept as the President's Trophy winner, man. I don't know. It's pretty bad. That, the, yeah, the Leafs blew the, with three... The Leafs blew a 3-1 lead in game seven. All, in listen, Lapore, all of those equally embarrassing, but I have this right at the top of my list in that same tier in terms yeah. of embarrassment level. And listen, I know the Oilers have like 22 to $25 million in cap space this offseason, they and they're going to be able to, to add and try to surround McDavid and Drysaddle with some depth and some talent. But my God, Lapore. What a way to go out after a historic season from Connor McDavid. I, I just, I honestly, I, I'm not, I'm, I can't believe it, but at the same time, I'm yeah, also not surprised that it happened. And it's just crazy that it happened in the first round. So it, what, it, it's just, it, it's so hockey. Like, again, like we, here we are, we have a podcast, we talk about things, we break it down, but that whole thing, like that old saying of nothing matters except for the score when the clock hits zero. This series like made no sense. Like if you look at the metrics, like the Oilers controlled a lot of the play and they got swept, swept. How, how, like everything went Winnipeg's way in the way of fortune. And which is weird. Cause it seemed like everything was going against Winnipeg going into this series. Like everything pointed to an Oilers win. I was listening to one podcast where they were going through series by series. And one guy was picking the jets and like their people were laughing at him just based on like where, how this was going. And man, it, it's a big, big off season for the Oilers. They have to sign some bodies. You mentioned the cap space. This team's got to find an identity, man. They, they really do. Like they, it, like you look at the Penguins, like it seems like for the last, I guess, how long is it now? Like it's over a decade. They're able to find bodies, guys with roles who can fill in certain slots and they're able to leave and get paid. And that is what it is. But that team always has an identity and Edmonton's got to do that, man. Like they have two generational talents. They have one phenom of a talent. It shouldn't be this hard. And I'm, I'm excited to see what they do. Like they got even number one, step one, they got to figure out their goaltending, like see what's, see what, how they're going to figure that out. I had one guy say, and who knows what's going to be available, but he's like, well, if you're Edmonton, what wouldn't you throw at Rask? Just to at least be okay, well, we have McDavid, Drysidle, and a goalie. Like we know we have that taken care of. But for Oilers fans, man, like exciting year. I almost feel kind of bad because, like you said, it would it would nice be, again comment down below. Like I'd love to know what Oilers fans really and truly are feeling about this series. Like, are they feeling like they were just crazy unlucky? Are they feeling like they just got totally exposed? I don't know. At the end of the day, and like we did say this about the Jets. The Jets have a goalie and they have game breakers. So I'm, I'm not going to say, oh, they can beat anyone, but eh, just about like if things go their way, kind of like they did in the series. Like I mentioned, Money Puck had the Oilers in every game in the series and some of the games pretty heavily. But when you have Connor, when you have Shifley, when you have Ehlers, these guys who can score. Oh my God, that overtime goal by Ehlers. Oh. Well, what that a shot. dude is so electric, man. 
what when a he, shot. And when he gets matched up against like non first line players, because he kind of gets hidden because he's not on that Shifley and Wheeler line. Right. Oh my God. He is just out there making people look silly sometimes. Yeah. Man. He's such a good player. What a player. And one thing too, like here I am, like I, I love advanced stats and I love looking at metrics, even like, again, they're not the be all end all, but they're a tool to help us see more. The Jets are now that I think about, they're a team that, like I said, because they have so many game breakers those underlying numbers are less relevant because they have so much of that game-breaking talent. Like whenever we look at these charts, they're based on the average player and the average goalie. So like, like I would say, for example, okay, like the Leafs have a lot of offensive firepower. So if someone told me, okay, every game versus Montreal, the deserve a win a meter on money puck is going to be 50, 50, I'd say the Leafs are going to win. I'd be very confident the Leafs are going to win because we have that shooting talent. So if Austin Matthews gets the same amount of chance as X player on the Canadians, well, I'd like to think we're going to come out on top. The, the Jets are similar in that regard. With those types of players, they can be outplayed. They don't need many chances, and they can beat you. One, one team, and it's like Leafs Twitter, I've seen a lot of comparisons to the, uh, the 2013 Leafs. A team that like was terrible defensively, which the Jets are, but I think the difference is the Jets have an A-plus goalie compared to that 2013 Leafs team. But that Leafs team had a lot of talent that didn't need a lot of chances to capitalize. Like they had Castle. I mean, like people forget about uh, like the depth that team had like with their third line with Kuhleman, MacArthur, and Grabowski. Like those guys, they could put the puck in the net. Like Lupo, Kadri, those guys, like they were having good seasons. The puck was going in for them. Now, like those, that team is not as good as today's Jets team. And I'll be quick to say that. But similar, like Leafs fans have said, it's similar in the way that that team got outplayed all year and was able to put together a good record record and almost beat the Bruins because of that. Like, they didn't need many chances. And that's what this Jets team is, just a better version of it with a very good goalie and a very good coach. So props to the Jets. But again, like, I'd love to listen to Oilers fans and and tell me what they're thinking. Because even like the offseason, man, that's a lot of money open. That's a lot of money open and you could be excited if you're an Oilers fan or you could be scared because what something like this can do, it can fuck shit up in a hurry because if they see this as a disaster and it's something that has to be fixed quickly. And I don't think Ken Holland's that guy. I think he's too smart, too patient. He's been around for too long. This is where mistakes can be made. Yeah, Lepore, one bad signing and oh, that exactly. fucks up everything. Exactly. Well, overpaying a winger who doesn't deserve it or giving a guy too much term or something like so. Or even that, then that's one. They have the cap space. They, it could happen with two. And yeah, we'll see how Holland approaches it because, I mean, you're not just going to want to fill all that money in free agency. I mean, Nugent Hopkins is up, isn't he? Yeah. Like that's Nugent a name I've Hopkins seen. Hopkins is around. up. Uh, Adam Larson, Tyson Larson, Barry. Barry, Smith oh my God. Smith is a free yeah. agent. Yeah, they yeah. got some money coming off the books, man. And it's going to be very interesting to see how they fill these spots and supplement McDavid and Dreisaitl. But here's the thing I'll tell Oilers fans, and Laporte, you just said, like, it's it's not as easy as it sounds. Like, just because you have all this money, you got to continue to make smart decisions you cannot be wasting cap space on guys that don't deserve the money or the term like for example i look at a guy like tyson berry who sure he was great on the power play this year let all demon in scoring but when you look great at the exactly. underlying numbers like edmonton um was not very like with 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 tyson berry on the ice at five on five 
they were, it was essentially like a wash. Like they were just like a, a average team, even like scoring chances against like Tyson Berry gave up a lot of scoring chances when he was on the ice this year. So don't be like, I would be very hesitant to give a guy like that, like a five or six year deal for who knows how much money, like those are the decisions that you have to make now, you know, being Ken Holland and being in this situation where, you know, like you said, Lapore, you have two generational talents. You overpay one guy or you give a goalie too much money. Like look at Florida giving Bobrovsky. $10 oh my God. Right? Imagine like, they had that money. Oh my God. Like yeah, imagine, imagine Florida, Florida had that money. allocating that $10 million to their decor or their forward group. Yeah. Like, or, oh my goodness. Or that ability man. to like make a trade and get an like add a star player. Like who wouldn't want to go there right now? And that's the thing too, like to the point of the Oilers having this cap space, like you're not the New York Rangers. Not everyone's running to come play for the Edmonton Oilers. And people know what I mean by that as condescending as it sounds, but you're not that market. You're not Broadway, right? So exactly. And that's why I fear that the Oilers might have to overpay someone who probably doesn't deserve a contract like that. That's why I hope, honestly, I, I really do hope that Ken Holland is ready to make some, some smart, tough decisions here and not just go out and spend all you know, all the money that they have. And, and you know what? I think that he is going to make smart decisions because yeah. we saw his press conference after the trade deadline where he said, listen, you have to pick and choose and you can't go all in every year. And clearly they did not go all in this year because all they did was pick up Dmitry Kulikov at the trade deadline because I think Ken Holland was fully aware that despite McDavid and Dreisaitl playing out of their minds this season, that this team just wasn't quite ready to make a legitimate run to the Stanley Cup final. The Barry one scares me, man. Like you mentioning Barry, I'm like, yeah, that could be one I could see. Like he put up numbers, a big contract. He fits in with the style of that team, like high fly, high flying and scoring. So you said his five on five scoring chance differential or goal differential was about even when he's yeah, on like the, the ice. The goal differential was was essentially even. The high danger scoring chance differential, they were like they were like minus 24 this season. And think Barry about that, man. Ice at five on five. That guy, so that that guy, is even if he's playing even, and he's on the ice with McDavid and Drysaddle a lot, like that's bad. Like that, yeah. if you're even, that's bad. That's not like, good. That's and not an, good. Another stat I checked out about Barry Laporte. Did you know he led all D men in secondary assists this season? Oh, of course he did. He that's shocked me at all. Yeah, secondary assists. So for all the Oilers fans being like. This is Paul Coffey, and he led all D-men in scoring. Like, he had 27 secondary assists and had a ton of points on that on that power play. So I find it so funny. I, I find it so funny how, like, the new hockey fan is, like, a total, a total nerd and a total geek and brings up all these crazy numbers. But I've always found it weird how not more is talked about second assists like second assists on the power play and stuff. Like say when you compare scoring and players, like, okay, two guys that get two good players who get 80 points. Well, this guy only had 20 second. Like, like you mentioned to your point, if you're comparing two defensemen who put up a lot of points and you tell me one had 27 second assists and one had like, I don't know, 10 or 15 compared to primary assists and goals. It's like, yeah, that's huge. I, I find it weird how we don't bring that up more often. Right. Oh yeah, just... no, hundred percent. Right, because it shows you, like, when you're when you're playing on a team with with talents like McDavid and Drysital, and especially when you're running a power play with those two guys, like, there's really not points. much you need to do. 
You just need to be there and be competent and you're going to pick up points. And listen, not taking away anything from Tyson Berry, like to lead all defensemen in scoring, that's great. Like, you know, congrats to him. Great bounce back season. But when you peel it back a little bit and you look at some of these other numbers, (laughs) it's like I said, that's a situation where I would be very, very hesitant to just throw money to that guy and be like, well, come back. You're our number one defenseman. Uh, Five-year contract for $7 million a year. Like that, yeah. that, that's going to be, that is not going to look good, Lapore. I promise you. And based on the season he had, like someone's going to do it. Like he's going to get term and a contract. So, and like you said, maybe Edmonton will have to overpay and it could get dangerous. But yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be super interesting to see what happens to the Oilers um, over the course of the offseason. Cause like it's two sided. The one side of this is going to end up really bad. But then the other side calms you down because of Ken Holland, where it's like he's not going to panic. He, he, he's not going to lie to himself and think he has something that he doesn't have. Yeah, exactly. And before we wrap this thing up, Lapore, you mentioned it. Like, shout out to the Winnipeg Jets. Those yeah, game breakers, you know, Ehlers scoring the OT winner in game three, Kyle Connor scoring the OT winner in game four. And that comeback. We even talked about that crazy oh, the four to one comeback. Unbelievable, man. Yeah. But oh, that was another thing. Exactly. The Oilers pulled a Leafs in game three, yeah. blowing a four one third period lead. I mean, everything just came crashing down for the Oilers. And another thing that we mentioned in our last episode, Connor Hellebuck, who had an 877 save percentage against Edmonton in the regular season. Well, look what he did in the playoffs. It a all evens out. <laughs> save percentage in four games. So yeah. Connor Hellebuck, ladies and gentlemen, he has arrived. And if the Leafs or the Habs by miracle advance to the second round, that is not a guy that I want to face going from, especially if you're the Leafs going from Carey Price to Connor Hellebuck. It's basically, oh, awesome. it, oh my goodness. That's going to be terrifying to deal with if the Leafs uh, make it to this second round. But uh, Lapore, any, any final thoughts that you want to add here before we wrap this thing up, heading into uh, to game five Leafs Habs on Thursday night? I, I just think I sit where a lot of Leafs fans, if not all Leafs fans are right now. We've looked good. Guys, we've overcome something that was really hard to deal with in the way that what we had to experience with Tavares. We've gotten behind it. Let's finish this off in five. There is that seed of doubt in Montreal's head. There, It's there. As much as they won't admit it, they're going to say, yeah, we believe in each other. They don't. This team, there's a lot of negative going through those minds right now. Let's finish this off. Let's make a statement in game five. And let's prove to ourselves that we can do this. We can win a series and let's move on. Let's not make this. And I can't believe it. I mean, it, I always say the Leafs make things harder than they have to. You've proven us wrong. And when I say you, I'm talking to the Toronto Maple Leafs organization. There's been a lot of those narratives get flipped this year where there's been less drama. Our D has stepped up. We seem to be getting timely goaltending. There are those still Leafs things that happen once in a while. So I think a lot of us are expecting maybe the Leafs to make this difficult because of our, our life experience as a Leafs fan. But like I said, you've proven us wrong and you flipped the script on a lot of topics. Let's do it one more time in this series. Let's wrap it up in game five at home. You nailed it, Lapore. At this point, don't give Montreal anything. Thursday night, you have them on the ropes, close this thing out, and win your first playoff series since 2004. (laughs) 
It's been a long time coming. It's been a long time, man. But I mean, it's right there. We're one game away here and they have a golden opportunity. And if they can get this monkey off their back and finally win a playoff series for the first time in 17 years, this team is going to be playing with a lot of confidence. Leafs Nation is going to be fired up and people are going to be very, very excited as we move further and further into the playoffs. So I can't wait. Let's do it. All right. That is going to do it for episode 20 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. Once again, if you're a new listener, it would be a big time help if you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And then, of course, if you're watching us on YouTube, we would appreciate it so, so much if you smash that like button, subscribe to the channel, and ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. So for Michael Lapore, I'm Anthony Bruno, and we will see you guys in the next one. Thanks, everyone. Oh,